Welcome to Snakes and Otters, a pointless discussion of eternal questions. Get ready, we're about to live in your head rent-free. Welcome back, Otterites. This is episode 159. I am Martin. And I'm Robert. And I'm Francis. Code of Honor. Code of Honor. Yabba yabba. So, listeners, of course, this is uh, some of our favorite stuff to do. The format being, uh, Francis and I usually come up with quotes... Great quotations. Great quotations. Never know where they're coming from. With the idea of trying to hem Robert into a corner that he can't get out of. Uh, That's not really the format, but Robert then usually... But it's always fascinating to see where I'll go. Yes, Robert usually... uh, That's why he's called the hammer, is he tries to put these together into a coherent whole with his quote. And we right. probably should say that you and I do not collude on what we're going to do. Very like generally, very, we do not. No, we just don't. Right, so yeah, not a ton of uh, collusion, overproduction, ahead of time kind of deal. Uh, that's a peek behind the curtain is that these are not, none of our episodes, but especially these, yeah. are, are not super overproduced. We don't... Uh, we don't edit them at the end or no, no, anything like that. We might have a theme that we go with, but even then, we don't know what we're going to pick. Uh, right. And, uh, the only time we ever have had to shuffle, and I don't think it's ever happened, is if whoever goes first actually picked the same thing the second one picked in a theme one. That could happen. Yeah, I don't think it's ever happened. But it's I never think happened. I've had it where they've been considerations. Yeah. But That's never correct. actually, oh my God, i got to change my quote. That's right. Yeah. It's never happened. Yeah. yeah. Uh, of course, uh, I don't think it's going to happen today because we're... We're just straight out the gate yes. here. Not a themed episode. We we do like those. We had our Chesterton. We, uh, we had a we had a Lincoln. We had a Roosevelt. Roosevelt I think. We did Voltaire. So, I mean, so we, Shatner, Shatner, Kirk. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. So so we've done those themes, but this one's just a freewheeler. And Captain's prerogative. I'm going to go first. Go first. Oh, okay. I, I like to normally defer to Francis, but I'm going to go first. So I have dug up a great PJ. And normally, you, you guys know, I like to do the shorter ones, and I leave the long setups to Francis. But I'm going to pull Francis today, and I'm going to do the paragraph. All right, so hold on, let me get settled here. Yeah. Because yeah. Francis's long ones is usually the setup. Yes. So I'm, not, I'm just going to breeze right into this one, no setup. Oh, okay. Um, this is a PJ. I think it's probably from Remarks to the, like, a Cato Institute or Heritage or somebody like that. It's not from one of his articles or books. So... Freedom is not empowerment. Empowerment is what the Serbs have in Bosnia. Anybody can grab a gun and be empowered. It's not entitlement. An entitlement is what people on welfare get, and how free are they. It's not an endless expanding list of rights. The right to education, the right to food and housing. That's not freedom. That's dependency. Those aren't rights. Those are the rations of slavery. Hay and a barn for human cattle. There is only one basic human right, the right to do as you damn well please. And with it comes the only basic human duty, the duty to take the consequences. So again, that's PJ from probably the early 90s again with the I reference say, to Serbia. I that's like quintessential PJ. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah. very uh, again, libertarian. Yeah, most oh. likely those are... Uh, uh, from some kind of address or speech or something. That would be very Cato. To, to a Cato group, yeah. Institute libertarian group. Yeah. But I just I just love that one because it really... I can't imagine why it speaks to you. Yeah, you know, it just really <laughs> defines in a simple way what liberty really means. And, well, and what... And, and 
you know, it's not freedom from material want. My freedom cannot mean you have to give me stuff. Because right. that infringes on your freedom. Well, to an extent, I agree with that. However, however oh, yeah. good, good, go, yeah. go. However, uh, and there was a time when probably I would have agreed 100% with that. But my understanding of my faith and relationship between God and man has modified that. Mm-hmm. Now, I think that even though I am not uh, my brother's keeper in the absolute sense, However, I do have a moral responsibility as part of whether you want to call it the family of man or the family of God. Yes, okay. Uh, to ensure, or to help ensure, because it's not a, I personally have responsibility for every single person, because uh, that, that's not the, the point either. But I do believe there is a moral responsibility uh, to one another. And it's not just the don't encroach upon their their freedoms. It goes beyond that. Gotcha. Because your right to not be encroached upon can in turn unintentionally encroach on others. Right, especially if uh, to do as you damn well please means to do nothing at all. Right, and that's an encroachment. Yeah, Yeah, that was, I'm sure, the intention of what was meant to be thought at that when he made that address. Right, but still, we're talking about the philosophical backing. Uh, right, right. right. And, and PJ, I think, in the end would agree with you as well because he would see that as, yeah, it's an individual obligation because he, he would very, um, another one of his quotes is, you know, this idea that the government has this obligation to do things, that's, that's in a, as a weasel way out. Well, you yeah. Know, for someone who, who says, well, I'm expressing my charity through making the government do things. No, charity's personal. You know, you're... you're there, can be, there's an, there can be an argument made for both. Yeah. The problem that I see it is when, which is what we have today, where the government has become the blunt instrument Yes. that is the default. Um part of true charity which you know the the root of the word is caritas which is which is a form of love it's actually the highest form of love which is the wanting the best for the other that is true caritas that is true charity whereas in this country charity means what i begrudgingly give you that you don't really deserve but i'm giving it to you out of the goodness of my heart so that is very much a me-centered Yes. Idea of looking at charity. And, and transferring your charity obligation to the government. And, yeah, so we have transferred, the, and they're both the wrong way to look at it. Yes. Because um, I, I really do believe, I've come to believe, that there is a um, both an individual and collective responsibility on all of us to... to, to to be that rising tide that lifts all boats, to use a, a, a Art Laffer uh, kind of yes. idea. You know, you can't do you can't do it alone. The only true libertarian, in the absolute truest sense, is the guy who lives off in the grid, up in the mountains, and has no contact with anybody, and who made his own tools, 
who built his own house, dug his own well with a shovel he made with his own hands. Okay? There is no such thing as a true perfect individualist. No because man is an island. No, right. If he's an island, he's going to die a, a nasty short at the end of a nasty, short, brutish life. Because you, you just can't. I think we're we just quoted like four different people there, didn't we? Uh, yeah, I know. I, I, I'm pulling everything. I'm pulling everybody <laughs> That's here. That's great. That's great. But I mean, so on the one hand, yes, I agree, and the consequences are important. Because yes, yes, we do have life's annoying backpack responsibility. Yes. Well, it's not responsibility as well, because consequences can be negative yeah. as well. Some of the consequences are responsibility, but some of them can just be, you screwed up, so here's what's going to happen. Um, and I think the, the debate can be around, well, what do we mean by consequences, and what are they? Yeah. Because, yeah, on, on an agency level, yes, we all have the right to do whatever we want, um, or we have the ability to do that. Whether or not that's truly a right, because I do not have the right to, to bash you in the head. Whether or not that makes me feel good. Yeah. Um, you know, so... And I, I think uh, a big part of this, too, again, PJ has has a work ethic to him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's kind of this paradox of potty humor and an accountant. Sort of about to say, like... I remember there was a documentary, I think I've mentioned this before, about National Lampoon, the magazine. Mm-hmm. And PJ ends up as the editor-in-chief of National Lampoon magazine. And he actually makes the thing, like, publish on time. So if you can imagine a magazine that's a, you know, potty humor, racial insults, and boobs, it was important to him to actually get it out on schedule. <laughs> You know, he's this weird paradox of do whatever you please, but what I really mean by that is do something. We've talked about doing something worthwhile. That's PJ. It's get out there and do, you know, again, this um, do as you damn well please doesn't mean, you know, sit in your basement and play video games until your chair turns color with your sweat. It means... Get out there, do, and he is someone who did this, you know, this life of, he went practically everywhere there was where there was trouble. I mean, one of his books is All the Trouble in the World, and he saw the world. He went everywhere there was trouble, Um, and it's kind of a weird destiny for, again, a guy who, uh, his first big-time major job is making the National Lampoon publish on time. So, that's yes. pretty good resume stuffer at the time. Yeah, uh, it's really this <laughs> you <did what>? weird, <laughs> this weird thing of of you know why would it matter if this magazine is so irreverent and so unorthodox and so radical, but we're also going to make money and publish on time. <laughs> a, a great capitalist enterprise of being subversive. It, it's so weird, but he did it. And then went from there and moved on to, you know, this, this great traveling gonzo journalist. So, Francis, you're awfully quiet over there. I, I got something I was going to say, but I'm thinking, you know, no, Francis is sitting there waiting. and I'm, I'm, No, I'm not really. Uh, go ahead and say what you're going to say. No, 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 because we've dominated here. I, but that's okay. It's you a, need to add something to the, well, the conversation. Uh, I, I'm, just, I'm just kind of, uh, 
I'm glad you gave the caveat of what he meant and the audience he was speaking yes, at. Because so if you take the that on the surface, I would absolutely push back 100%. Because right, right. It's easy to push you back. You cannot out. do what you want. In fact, we see that as, in many respects, morally reprehensible. Because right, that's license. That's license. That's right. exactly and he right. Would, he would definitely say freedom is not license. Right. Know, that is definitely a BJ. But the problem is too many people see that and they take it on the surface. That's exactly yes. it. That's where I was going to go. And do as you damn well please means live your life productively. Well, doesn't say that. It doesn't <laughs> say that. He may mean it and he yeah. may ultimately think, well, that's, that's what we, we should have to do. feel it. Yeah. But see, the problem with this quote and with so much of what we talk about is not so much with the quotes themselves, but it, it presumes something that is left unsaid. Yes, exactly. Yeah, it presumes the moral underpinning. Uh, I think it was, uh, uh, it might have been de, Toc- de Tocqueville that said, uh, I can't remember which one that said it, but uh, a democracy is meant for a moral people. Yeah, that was very much a part of the founders' notions. Right, it's I mean, like Ben a, Franklin said, that's a very, we have given you a republic, now let's see if you can keep it. Yeah, I mean, that's very much a John Adams, Thomas Jefferson ideal. Yeah, that's that uh, it's a, it's a you must be enlightened yeah. ideal. Yeah, yes. Yeah. The only way a republic, a functioning republic, a functioning democracy survives is the moral underpinnings of the people. And this quote for it to be taken as a good quote, a good code to live by, it has to presume that. Yes. Because yeah, so you know, But it it can mean you know the duty to do as you damn well, or the uh, the ability to do as you damn well please. If it does mean for you sitting in your basement until your chair turns sweat stained from playing video games, there's a consequence to that. There is the consequence being you're not going to have any money, and everyone's going to think you're a loser. Take those consequences. You know, you, and you're going to weigh four hundred pounds. Right. You're <laughs> not. Don't don't come out and say, well, this is perfectly legitimate. Uh, I'm just as good as you. Well, yeah, sure. You're you're and still the inherent on dignity so, of the human person on, level, certain yes. le- on certain levels. But, that's a universal, but on other levels, but, it's absolutely not. Right. Be prepared to be called a loser. Right. Because you know, I don't want to get into the dichotomy of you know that inherent dignity uh, that I love so much and the the uh, uh, utilitarianism because we're not much for utilitarianism here. No. Correct. But, you know, when we start talking about that guy in his basement, we start skating close to that, that thin ice. Yeah, because he produces nothing. Right. And certainly, carbon. again, dioxide. from a moral aspect, he's sinning in that respect in that he is, he is leeching off of everybody. Mom and Mom, everybody. society, whatever. Because, you know, he may be on disability, so he's leeching off everybody. When he could have gotten himself out of that damn chair and gone and gotten a job. Now, maybe he has a medical condition and he can't. So you start throwing in all these things. Well, maybe for this guy, it's not legitimate that that's all he does. Maybe for this guy, that's all he can do because he's not literally able. Well, as Trevor Slattery would say, it's complicated. It's complicated. So that's why, you know, in the middle of his quote where he's talking about... uh, But there there has to be like a... If there's no desire to do anything productive... Right. That's where you're talking about... There's a real sin to that. Yes. Oh, really? Yes. So you would would you would then support the idea if if you believe that is truth, and I think we can say that that anything that leads 
to the dampening or uh, cutting away of the human spirit to do better is inherently bad. Yeah, I, I think you would have to go there. I mean, that's... I mean, you have to define do better a little bit. Well, that's correct, but ultimately what I'm saying is that is my entire argument against the legalization of drugs because I do believe marijuana in particular does exactly, it promotes and eventually ends where you're talking about where those who use it will want to do nothing except get get high, get stoned. It takes away the human spirit to achieve. And how much of, of the goodness of the dignity of humanity is that. Yeah. That's why, because I've, I've had arguments with folks before, but, but I want to. I should be able to. And I said, well, well yeah, you, yeah. You can make this, and again, this is just as a kind of argument they'll make, and, it, and I think it's a valid argument, is that why is marijuana any different from alcohol? Because yeah. uh, you do end up in the same place That's if right. you overuse alcohol. It, and that is exactly why does it take a constitutional amendment to ban alcohol, but not pop? I mean, think about it. I mean, yep. so I mean, there, it's that, that that's a very interesting legal and moral set of questions right there. But uh, I understand exactly what you're saying, though. Yeah, I, I think uh, even though it may be legal in some places, yeah, it's and, very difficult. Uh, yeah. yeah, you know, you're right. It, it's not something that contributes to the greater good of society. And the guy who who takes PJ's "Do it you damn well, please." to its logical end, not even necessarily its its extreme end, just its logical end, quite often is not the guy who is contributing to society. Mm-hmm. You know, even though Martin, you are have very much a, you know, get the hell off my lawn, you damn kids vibe, which is understandable because, you know, I work hard on my lawn. <laughs> well, uh, uh, Ivar works very hard on my lawn. Well, you have him do it, so, you know, it's it's the same thing. Uh, but you know, but still though, it, it's it's your lawn. You know, you don't want dogs coming along and crapping on it all the time without somebody cleaning it up. I understand. You walk your dog, he craps on my lawn, then clean it up. Don't yeah. leave it. Yeah. Um, but still, you live in a house that was not built directly by you. You know, there's an intricate, complex, almost infinitely complex system that built your house, that put the roads together for you to drive the car. That you you know again somebody else built, uh, runs on gas that comes from all over the world, so it's impossible to truly have this. Leave me alone. Leave me alone. Yeah. Uh, it's impossible to have this. Un there is no such thing as unfettered freedom. Because, um, at some point, my freedoms will intersect with yours, and the question becomes: Well, whose freedom? is the one that dominates. And and being able to negotiate that and come to a positive resolution where everybody gets a little bit of something is the key to getting the community of human beings to a better place. To a, a place where there isn't war and famine and horrible crap happening all the time. Right, right. You know, getting to a point where there's a realization that there's nothing you can get by war that you can't get by, hey, I'll buy this from you. What would you like to buy from me? 
you know, right? Well, it, that was it, the whole point right, of post World War Two was that if we become economically entangled with our enemies, they can't stay our enemies. They're, they're not yeah, our they're enemies no longer anymore. Enemies. Yeah. Right. They're trading partners. So even though we are rivals with China, uh, and I think that, you know the only reason they've not invaded Taiwan is not because they're afraid of the U.S. It's, uh, you know, a, a military response is because the, mil- the you know the economic impact of that. Yeah, they they'd rather have the money than mess with Taiwan, and it's kind of like, yeah, there you go. Right, now, you know, there you go. and I'm That's sure the, there are hardliners in China that think, you know, screw it, you know, we are the dominant power, because they think they are. I, You know, there's, not yet, maybe one day, but not yet, but, you know, if they invade, you know, all those smart people that are making Taiwan the, the superpower economically that it is, they're probably going to get out. Yeah, uh, and or you know they'll end up getting killed accident accidentally because you know they're intellectuals, uh, and the communists never like those people. Yeah, um, you know they will they will kill the golden goose if they invade. And yeah, I mean, and very I think much, they understand that very much. What they want is for Taiwan to come home of its own will. That would be the ideal for them. Yeah, just like Hong Kong reverted back to them. Granted. Not willingly. <laughs> Not willingly. But it was coming. Everybody knew it was coming, and there was so they were patient. I mean, they did prod the the the, the uh, British into doing it early, but you know, eventually that was going to happen. They were willing to wait, and you know, they're they're currently willing to wait. But if you entangle them economically, it's much more difficult to go to war. Somebody like Putin aside, yeah, you know, there should be no reason why he invaded. Uh, yeah, there, there's nothing he Ukraine. can get from Ukraine that he couldn't have gotten by just being uh, a trade partner. Friendly, right. friendly trade. There's nothing to get. Right. Why is this even happening? There's nothing. There's no advantage here. It's just stupid. Um, it's this goofy well, dream. Well, he's got this idea of recreating the Soviet Union, apparently. Yeah, the, the Russian Empire slash Soviet Empire. Right. And it's just dumb anymore. Right. It's a 19th century notion in the middle of the 21st century. It's just stupid. It is. So, unfortunately for Ukraine. Yeah, so those consequences he talks about, I think, are the key to, to applying and understanding this quote. Yes. Because you have to understand, part of those consequences are, you do have some kind of responsibility to take care of people who are starving to death. Or to go get a job and at least take care of yourself. Well, yes, yes. But, I mean, if you got somebody who's literally, you know, homeless because of whether they're kicked out of the sanitarium uh, 30 years ago or whatever, uh, you know, there are legitimate people that have, have an immediate need for help. Should they be permanently put in that situation? No, because that's not dignified for them. And that's the kind of slavery I think he's talking about there. Yeah. But again, part of those consequences are not yeah. just you know if I screw up, I go to jail or you know. But I'm it's fine. yeah. I mean, you're absolutely right because it's it's you know dependency forever is different from. I need a help. Unemployment family. benefits. Yeah. Or you know, okay, we're going to tide you over through this rough part of the economy, but then on the other end of this, all right, let's go get a job because that's kind of where we are now. We're in this treading water spot of. Still handing out government checks. Well, I know it seems awful to end that kind of thing, but it really isn't. There's there's an admiration for the human spirit in ending endless assistance. 
you know, okay, we believe in you. You don't need this anymore. Well, and the real go question get, is, go get a job. Well, the real question is though, how do you end it humanely? Yeah, in the sense that you know, if you've got somebody that's depending on on these government checks, you can't just simply cut them off. Yeah, because then they, you know, in very short order, they become homeless and starving to death. So, the our our problem is. How do we apply those consequences? Meaning, how do you better yourself to get a job? How do you get off of the government teat so that you regain a sense of dignity, of yeah. personal responsibility, of personal goodness? Uh, you know, that's I think one of the worst things about those sorts of programs is, yeah. is the ones that are truly the people who say on them generationally. It's super dehumanizing. It is. It, it's it's a very much dehumanizing. You're thing. you're nothing but an address we send a check to. Right. And by the way, vote for us. Yes. I mean. Yeah. I, you know, I don't. I hate putting it like that, but that's the way it works. Yeah. And you know that that's the way it works. Whether you're talking about government subsidies to farmers or uh, to the oil industry or to big tobacco or. People who are on individual welfare, you know, TANF or SNAP or any of those things. The only difference is the the whether you're, it's an individual level that is being, uh, I don't want to say controlled, but in a way, uh, or at the large corporate level, who's doing the controlling? They're all getting government money somehow. Um, anyways. Let's turn it over to Francis. I'm going to go and do something. He'll probably do something very much more uh, uplifting than a... I've well, I think yours is great discussion material, obviously, because yeah. I mean, you and I dominated it. <laughs> yes. I'm going to give you something that I'm not going to tell you who said it until we get into it. Okay, okay. go. Right. go. So that's, this, is a, this is a radical change here. Uh, so I'm not going to say who said it because I don't want to bias you. But here's the quote. It's very short. Nothing is more difficult and therefore more precious than to be able to decide. I'll repeat it. Nothing is more difficult and therefore more precious than to be able to decide. Gentlemen. Maya Angelou. I didn't ask you to tell me who said it. <laughs> well, I thought that was kind of part of the... You know, no, we're, that's we're doing later. Talk about, talk about the merits I'll of it. Talk I'll about the merits to, first no, 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 and no, then we'll figure out who said it. I'll give it. I'll give that to you here eventually when the, when right, the time is all right. right. All right. Uh, very famous person, I can tell you that. So, you know, this, okay. is, not, this is not... Merits. I, Nothing is more precious or difficult than to decide. Decision. That's what it's about. Or doing as you damn well please. What's that got to do with anything? That's what you're deciding. Yeah, that's what you're deciding. What am I going to do? Well, yeah. So okay. what's precious is doing as I damn well please. And that's taking the consequences. I mean, I, for me, PJ is just a funnier way of saying something very similar. There is only one fundamental Human right, doing as you damn well please. Yes, there's only one fundamental human right: the ability to decide. No, it's not that. It says this. It's it's nothing more precious because it's because it's difficult. What he's saying is people can't do this, and they should be able to. So it's not Maya Angelou. It's a he. It's a he. Okay, that's well. Yes, that's fine. I don't want to repeat. I want to repeat quotes. I'm having a hard time. Nothing differentiating di- this from what I just said. Well, I'm trying to. It's nothing is more difficult, and I'll just drop out the rest of it. Nothing is more difficult than being able to decide. That's what he's saying. 
Nothing is more difficult than being able to decide. In other Agree words, or disagree. the vast majority of people are indecisive. Are in, not only indecisive, but almost incapable. In other words, they have given up their agency, their personal agency, their, not only their ability to decide, but their desire to decide. Mm-hmm. So therefore, let things happen to them. I would agree. Therefore, the tyrant who limits your decision making is uh, is valid. No, he's unique. Well, no, <laughs> no, he's no, not. Uh, but if, well, if, if people can't decide, well, then let's go ahead and, he would have to be. Let's seed our ability to decide things to someone else. That's, well, that's, that's, that's the, what this individual the story is of the 21st century. I can't do things on my own, so government, you do it for me. I can't decide. Well, well that's, now, you're, now you're getting into, into what he's talking about here. Well, but yeah, I, I think Martin is, is absolutely correct in, in the way he, he's taking this, though. Because what are you? Because the question is, what are you deciding? All right. So yeah, you can decide, well, I like this versus that. That's not much of a decision. Yeah, okay. I mean, Pepsi versus Coke is not monumental. Well, and I don't think it has to be. I don't think it has to be. But, because you could literally be somebody who, like, did you guys ever see The Good Place? Yeah, first season. Right. Oh, great show. So, there's a guy on there who literally cannot make a decision. And he is the ultimate indecisive person. Okay. That's why he's in the place where he's at. And it, it, it's a great illustration of this, because, I mean, he literally, he's paralyzed. And, ah, he's, and that's what this individual... See, he's if paralyzed. I told you said it, you'd go in a totally different direction. Well, you see, but he's paralyzed mm-hmm. because all of these decisions that he can't make are about things that need to be done. Yeah. So it, it literally is the doing so that he's but, talking about. But you're talking about a reaction to indecision. Yeah. It's about indecision so itself is right. a is a common bad thing. Right. I mean, most again, people can't, according to this person, most people can't do it. Yeah, as I'm gonna say, I'm stressing here: indecision justifies the tyrant. Uh, no, I don't think justifies. Indecision empowers the empowers tyrant. the tyrant. Indecision empowers the tyrant. The tyrant views it as justification. Yes, perhaps um, because somebody's got to decide, right? Uh, on whatever it is, some you know, a decision must be made. Well, let's put it this way to maybe help you connect to what Martin is saying with with his quote, it's not being indecisive, the inability to decide is giving up your freedom to act. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, again, so yes, his quote is is literally just, it is just a a funny, it's a PJ way of saying (laughs) the same, uh, not the same thing, but they're two sides of the same coin. Um, Because... That decision-making capability—it's always to do something, to act. I mean, because like I said, yeah, I can decide to think. Because, well, I, I don't say everybody thinks all day because <coughs> I'm one of those people who has that running dialogue in his head all day long. Yeah, not everybody does that. It shocked me when I came across an article that talked to studies that have been done. Not everybody has dialogue going on in their head all the time. Not everybody even thinks in sentences in their head all the time. A lot of times, it's literally. Images or concepts, in however way they, they visualize that, that. I, that can be a very neat and creative way to do things. Yeah, but so, it's 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 tough for you know. It depends on your hemisphere, I guess it is. Well, I don't know because it seemed to be fairly 
Yeah, I don't. I can't remember what the division was. It might have been. It might have been half and half. I don't. It's know. like one of those left brain, right brain. I'm not entirely sure it was left brain, right brain. Um, wow. But it was. It was just very interesting that because <clears throat> to me, what do you mean? There's people don't talk to themselves. Because I mean, everybody will have an image of something. So like, if, you know, if you're, you're hungry, you know, you may have a picture in your head of a particular meal. But you may also say at the same time, "Ooh, I really want that." Mm. You know, yeah. there's language. Going on in your head, right? For me, it's language. That's correct, and that's not just imagery. That's right. There's there's a there's a difference. You're right. I cannot conceive of those who wouldn't have the language constantly. Right, running. but that's, cause that's we, just because we are, we are wired are, a certain way. That's exactly so, right. But that so yeah, that's why I say you know it's one thing to be able to say you know I think this because that takes that's the ultimate freedom to think what you want. Nobody can impinge on that. You may choose to think how they want you to think. But that's because you have chosen. That. At least you made a choice. You sure. did make a choice. Now, and that's a little bit different. That's kind of the exception that proves the rule that I'm talking about here. But when you decide, mm-hmm. it's a decision to act. It is cutting off all other possibilities. All right? That's what deciding means. It's like, <laughs> yeah. I choose this. And that's a regular theme of and, ours. And that's an inherent freedom. Yeah, yeah. you know, this and balance between thought and action. And it's deliberate. At least in the example. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Well, it's also, a decision is always deliberate mm-hmm. because even the decision to not make a decision is a decision. And it I, is ceding your, like I said, ceding your agency. Yeah. It is letting life happen to you. Or letting, you not to decide letting someone else decide for you. Yes. Or let it's, me put it a different way: letting, say, for example, your political party make the decision for you. Yes. Because ultimately, that's kind of where I'm going with this: is how many people in this country, in this world, in this history, have been nothing but sheep that will follow a great? I mean, Henry VIII said, "You know, there's a great mass of people in this country who follow me because they'll follow anything that moves." <laughs> and that's kind of what yeah, this person I, is I, talking I, about. He's saying, I, "I get that." So many people, and that's why it's really not about decide not decide. It's about. So, because he says it's difficult, most people just don't. Right. And that is, I mean, and that's why I want to find That's a common theme in American politics is somebody's got to do something. Yeah. Well, yeah, but it's got to be the right thing. Let's hold on here. Well, and I think it's it's even beyond that because I I see where you're going, especially when you apply it to today's politics and the Mm -hmm. way you were talking about it, Francis. Um, And it's not just deciding not to decide Mm -hmm. because I think people... People make decisions far more often than they think they do. Mm-hmm. I really do. Because it's, it, it, yeah. it's subtle. Because yeah. every action is a decision uh, that is beyond the autonomic functions of your body. Right. Yeah. You know, it's time to go to the bathroom. Well, yeah, you can make you can make the case that yeah, I choose to go do it on the toilet rather than my pants, but that's almost an automatic thing. All right. So yes. beyond some of those kinds of things, but every action is a decision. And I think that when we talk about the political stuff, we've gotten to the point where everybody. Even Republicans have bought into identity politics yeah. in the sense that we have chosen to align ourselves with this group, whether it's based uh, on external characteristics or the feeling, not necessarily even the reality, but the feeling mm-hmm. that we are being oppressed. They've chosen that because they see that as a way to. Uh, either help regain their agency, even though they realize they're giving it up, 
Mm-hmm. Because yeah. once they decide to a, to join one of these particular right. identities, it, adherence tribes, to a group is about power. If they if they have to adhere to the beliefs and practices of the group. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In, in many ways, it's not unlike choosing your faith, yeah. choosing your religion. We choose to adhere to the tenets of our Catholic faith, but we do it not because we're looking for personal agency or power. We're doing it because we believe it's true. And therefore, it is a free act of the will, mm-hmm. not, not a, a I'm giving up. Not a well. It's also it's not it's not based on tribalism because that's kind of what we're talking about here. Is you give Can up, be, but you cede much of your agency to the tribe. Yeah, yeah. with yeah. the understanding yeah. that the tribe will will therefore be your path to power. To well, or nature. your protection or protection, yeah. either one. Yeah. Yes. Especially power, though. That's correct. That's ultimately that's very insightful, Francis. Very insightful. All right. So who said it, man? Come on, Bonaparte. That's a Bonaparte. That's Bonaparte. That's Napoleon Bonaparte that said that. And it's interesting that you gravitated towards the concept of tyranny when you didn't know who that was, because I would have expected you not to do that. But if I told you ahead, I knew you would. So right again, because he's tyrants thrive on indecision he yes. he recognizes the well he's when he's you coming, have that when you have that vacuum that's what gives he's coming from a philosophical point is they can't do it they don't know how because they don't well I would give a counterpoint to that so for the most part the people in this country even the almost almost all of the even the worst ones are the most educated people in the history of the world mm-hmm. you know Almost everybody reads and writes to a degree. Yeah, uh, can do math to a degree. You know, simple basic stuff to, to get you through. These are things that that peasants even a hundred to one hundred and fifty years ago during Bonaparte's time, yeah, couldn't even have thought of. Yeah, but there's, there's, hold on. So, oh yes, please go ahead. So, um, life. You can make the argument that, well, if we're so smart, then why are things so messed up? Because life is so complex, so overwhelming, uh, that it's much easier for people to say, I, I can't figure this out. Save me. Well, it can be, but it can just be a, they're looking for the paradigm to, to, to shape their world. Everybody needs that lens through which to look at the world. We view it through our faith. All right? That's, yeah. I would say for both of us, that's probably the primary way we look mm-hmm. at the world. Yeah. Uh, because it's that much part of us. And not everybody has that. Not everybody is that anchored in something. In And when the complexities of life, which, I mean, think about the complexities of life nowadays. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's tremendous. Granted, as a peasant, it was simple because you were... You know, working sun up to sun down, trying to, to feed your family and pay the local lord, you know, or whatever other stuff you had to do, you didn't have time to sit around and make a podcast about philosophical matters. <laughs> right. um, so, in, in many ways, though, life is so complex. You got so many things pulling on you, so many things demanding your time and attention, that it's almost a self defense mechanism. So, it's understandable. When we start talking about the political yeah. aspect and the identity uh, politics of it, where, where you're looking for a tribe, because the tribe is the lens through which you view the world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, there's there's a factor of trust to it. Someone like Napoleon trusted himself, but he couldn't trust others. 
Yeah, so that's, that's, a, that's a general The counterpoint point. of Washington, yes, he trusted himself, but he could trust others. He knew that he could trust the people to carry forward what he had begun. And that empowered him to then walk off the stage. It's all about trust. Well, because, well, if the reason that many that don't decide, many who do not decide, don't see the need because they trust. Well, those but there's, authority, there's power. also a flip side for Napoleon. Maybe they are deciding, they're just not deciding what he wanted them to decide. I don't think you meant that. I mean, but that, I think that's the hole in that quote, though, too. Is and every quote's going to have a hole, so yeah, every tyrant thinks people can't decide. Well, maybe they can, though. You just don't like what they decided on. Again, here we are in this, you know, this modern age of, yeah. you know, these elites that think, well, you can't afford gas? Buy an electric car. Hey, you've got to trust us to know what works for our lives. Mm-hmm. Okay? Just because we're not deciding what you want us to decide doesn't mean we've done something wrong. It just means our circumstances and what we analyzed our lives, what we need to function is not what you need. It's a very capitalist understanding. The invisible well, and market. I would turn that around on PJ. Because all those people who railed against that are in slavery could say, well, we didn't make the same decisions you did. Why is that? So, I mean, you you can use your own argument against your own own quote. There there is an elitist element to it, yeah, Yeah. that you're not deciding. uh, And I always say that's a big part of life is you've got to be comfortable with chaos. You've got to be comfortable with letting people make their own decisions. No progress comes without chaos. That's correct. I mean, that's an incontrovertible uh, truth, in my opinion. Well, we're already at 41 minutes, and we haven't even let Robert do his yet. And we haven't had a bourbon break. And we have not had a bourbon break. So real quick, bourbon break. Uh, I have poured a quick snort of wild turkey, which is quickly becoming something that I'm just like, why do other bourbons exist when you have wild turkey? Wow. It's so good. It is. It really is, especially when you factor in the price. At a $20 some price point, wild turkey is hard to beat. Again, these pear, vanilla... Great, uh, uh, great char oakiness to it. It's awesome. So you're still working. I'm, I'm still down on the Green River. Green River, uh, which again we had a very positive verdict on. Very, yeah, very much so. Yes. And Robert, we poured you a quick snort of Michters. Michters, right? Again, so, yeah, awesome. you know, again here in Louisville, and uh, you know, as so many have uh, headquarters or rick houses here mm-hmm. uh presumably that's because you know on the river that helps uh but uh you know it's one of those ones we discovered recently that is really good it's not uh necessarily one that i'll is in top five but it, it's one of those ones that it's got a good flavor it's it's relatively smooth and i like it because it's a, just a little bit different than most of the ones we have ah. uh just enough you know yeah uh it's just it, it it's it's a, a a little bit higher price point. Well, not a little bit. Quite a bit higher. Yeah. I mean, it's it, it'll cost you forty eight usually yeah, unless yeah. you catch it on a. You know, I think I got that about at forty two. Oh, that's a good price. Yeah. So uh, well, I recently was buying bourbon. I was telling you guys earlier, and I got a new bottle of Basil's, uh, Basil Hayden, 
and uh, the Jim Beam double oaked. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would have gotten the double, uh, the Woodford double oaked, uh, but I was trying to find it on sale. It was on sale, but from sixty to fifty. <laughs> and you know, for yeah, less it's... than fifty, I got two bo- or about fifty, I got two bottles mm-hmm. of. Of bourbon. So, as much as I really wanted the Woodford Double Oaked, I decided to wait on it a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so you know, this one, yeah, it is a little bit higher price, but um, you know, it's probably not quite as smooth as, as some of the ones we've had. But that's okay because the flavor that it leaves behind, because the smooth ones, I think, while they're really good coming in, the the flavor doesn't hang around. It's it just it goes down smooth and has that warmth generally uh, spreads right. pretty well. But the flavor doesn't hang around. This it does a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think it's got a little bit of sweetness in here, but I can't really tell yeah. what it is. Yeah, no. yeah. No, I really like the mixtures again with its, its sweetness and uh, the the aging gives it kind of a, a permanence, a long lasting. Yeah, uh, and then you're right, the nice good. They call that the Kentucky hug. Yes, when you, when you have that hug. warmth in your chest, that's a good Kentucky hug. Yeah, so that is yep. definitely a strength of mixtures. So Robert. Uh, Wow. Okay. Lay it upon us. Give it to us. Well, as, as is my habit, I ask you guys to repeat your, your quotes. All right. Because I want context for what I'm about to say. Very quickly, this is a P.J. O'Rourke. Freedom is not empowerment. Empowerment is what the Serbs have in Bosnia. Anybody can grab a gun and be empowered. It's not entitlement. An entitlement is what people on welfare get, and how free are they? It's not an endlessly expanding list of rights. The right to education, the right to food and housing, that's not freedom. That's dependency. Those aren't rights. Those are the rations of slavery. Hay in a barn for human cattle. There is only one basic human right, the right to do as you damn well please. And with it comes the only basic human duty, the duty to take the consequences. Mine is uh, much shorter. <laughs> Nothing is more difficult and therefore more precious than to be able to decide. Yes. Napoleon Bonaparte. Napoleon Bonaparte. All right. So, you know, we had really great study. You got, we managed to tie your two quotes together pretty well. My work is really uh, almost done here. Uh, and, and Martin, you, you did most of it for me because you, <laughs> you st- well, that's the same thing I said. So, I, I, I immediately know. attacked uh, Francis there. Yeah. Well, you didn't attack as so much as like, well, that's just what I said. <laughs> that's just a fancy way of saying what PJ said. Um, so I, I had several I was, I was looking at here because uh, as you know, I, I picked mine afterwards from a list that I have pre-prepared. That's the other thing. I have a finite list I'm picking from. I'm not just, you know, pulling it out my ass from, you know, wherever. I, I don't, because I don't carry around a huge number of quotes in my head ready to pull out like that. Yeah. Uh, so this is one from a motivational speaker called Les Brown, a very famous guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, he's one of those guys that's truly a self-made man. Wow. Uh, okay. He is uh, is black gentleman, and I want to say he's from might be Chicago, but honestly, I, I, I'm blanking, so if I'm wrong about that, I apologize. And uh, he was declared educably, what was it? Basically, they, they, they said he was uh, retarded and couldn't, in the parlance of the day, and, oh, and oh, couldn't yeah. be, couldn't learn. Yes. Uh, it was, I don't know if it was educably disabled or whatever it is, I have to find one of his books and see. But he's not, he's just, he's a very smart man. He really is. He's very eloquent. He's got great passion about things. And so this quote, I think, is a third way of saying the same thing. Mm. So, too many of us are not living our dreams because we are living our fears. Oh. Mm. Whoa. So, Whoa. 
we're, we're, we're staying in place rather than moving forward? Yeah, well, yeah. You know, not deciding. Not deciding. That's right. Yeah. But, yeah, reacting to a stimulus of fear rather than to a stimulus. Well, fear is the response to the stimulus. Yeah, of, of, of adventure or risk. To chaos. To chaos. Risk is our business, gentlemen. That's what the starship is about. That's why we're aboard her. Sorry. Very known as James that's awesome. T. Yeah, that's right. That's what. So, yeah, because on, that's though. what that's about. Is I mean, is there a value to being risk averse? Sure, but can it be crippling? Absolutely. Absolutely. Just as is there a value to being able to take a risk? Absolutely. Is it a negative to, to take all risks? Without, to be reckless. To yeah. be reckless. Yeah. Of course. So, but there is a balance between risk and. Uh, being safe, uh, risk and reward. You know, ha- for for every risk, risk there's a reward. But also for being safe, there's a reward. You know, for not putting my hand on the hot stove, there's a reward. I get to keep my hand. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it's we just don't see that as a reward because it basically doesn't hurt you. Yeah. Uh, and they, they, we see it more as a negative yeah. because all you've done is not taken a chance. And for, right. in this country, that used to be seen as uh, a good thing is taking a chance. As taking a, a calculated risk. Yeah, yeah, yes. Uh, and that's living... We were built on risk. Right. I mean, it is a nation built on people who, you know, their their ancestors felt constrained in the previous setting. Right. And so when they Whether there was really a fair constraint, you know... Yeah. I, I mean, but honestly, a, a religious bunch constraint. of rich guys that were constrained by a bunch of rich guys across the ocean. Yeah. I mean, come on. But a political constraint or, or a religious constraint, the the what's wired into American DNA, especially in the 19th century, was we got to take a chance. Yep. Because we don't see it this way now, but moving from New York to Ohio at one time... Was a huge risk. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you well, know, Maryland to Indiana. Kentucky. That's, that's it, it, my, my yeah. ancestors did it. Yeah, exactly. It's Not all of them survived. Chance. Yeah, no. if anybody drives through the Appalachian Mountains, and especially if you if you do it from the East Coast, not just through the Appalachians, mm-hmm. if you go from the coast to Louisville, and you see, because it's incre- it's incredibly dense woods on those mountains. Yeah, and we forget. That's what the entire country east of the Mississippi looked like. Yeah. There weren't a whole lot of plains. Yeah. And by plains, I mean, you know, wide open spaces. Uh, And somebody had to carve that wilderness trail. Now, that was probably an animal game trail. Because, you know, how else? Because you got to have something. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. More than likely, that's what that was. But, I mean, they had to carve that trail. I mean, literally, they had to clear the trail. And that's a monument. I mean, how pe- I understand how people ended up on the sides of mountains in Kentucky, in Virginia. They got so far and they said, Hell, this is too much. I'm just stopping here. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it is. Again, it's very hard for us to imagine. But at one time, leaving Philadelphia or leaving the Tidewater area of Virginia was a huge trek. Well, even there just was- going from your home state to the... To the uh, to the Continental Congress meetings. Yeah. Yeah. Any journey, you know, a mile away from your home was incredibly dangerous. Never mind hundreds of miles. Yeah. So uh, you're talking and, about the, the virtue of the pioneer spirit. Yes. Yes. I mean, again... That, that's one the, aspect of it. The thing about yeah. getting as far as Tennessee, Ohio, Indiana, this was seen as the wild and untamed frontier. And it was. 
Well, and uh, many of the Western stories, I don't know if you guys got the chance to watch uh, 1883, the recent miniseries uh, that was done on Paramount. Uh, it's the precursor to the Yellowstone series, which I highly recommend. It's that story. Yeah. It's going from Texas. They're going to Oregon. But one family decides, and I'm not going to give it away, but for because of what happens, they end up going to Montana and staying there saying, this is it. We're stopping here. They don't. The journey doesn't end where they'd originally intended uh, because of what happens on the, on the trip. But you know what? That's a quintessentially American thing. Yes, anyway. it is. That's what's because so really great about this. The destination truly is not the point when we're talking about journeys of personal development. And, and I don't mean that just in the motivational sense. Mm-hmm. I mean in that I seek something better for my yeah. family. And that's yeah. literally the story that, that, right, that was, right. was for the so family and because Oregon of the family. It wasn't the point of it. Yeah, there was it, opportunity it was there. So they it went. was the what I can do with and for my family. A dream. It's the dream. Living it's the dream, living even the dream. when you are woefully in inept at uh, seeing against. Sometimes that risk aversion we talked about. Sometimes it's a healthy thing. And I go back. Yes, to, I go back to eighteen eighty three to the story. Most uh, Sam Elliott is the trailblazer that leads the trail. Uh, it's mostly German immigrants. Who do not speak the language yeah. and are absolutely clueless as to the ways of the dangers they're going to be going from Texas to to Oregon, and most of I don't want to say most, well, yeah, they, they most of them simply have, do not survive. Well, and they don't even have any sense of the scale of what they're about to undertake. That's either. part of it too, because in Europe, <clears throat> you know, you don't move that far. You know, if your family comes from the town of Hamburg. They've probably been in that town for 800 years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, think about it. That's right. you know, they may have moved around some, but they wouldn't have moved too far. That's right. And this, even if you moved across your country, you're not going. It's not still not as much as going from Texas to Oregon. And yeah, and some of it is is uh, hostile Indians. Mostly, it was not though. At least in this story here, I never went with one one small little scene that really encapsulates this. One of the young girls. For one thing, the first place they stop, they don't they don't boil the water, and the uh, Sam this Elliott, yeah, and they're thinking, well, you know, what are you doing? Why are you going down there drinking that? You're gonna be sick tomorrow. And of course, most of them are, so they have to get it all out and get themselves together. And he has to show them how do you boil water. One young lady, he tells them, you know, this is Texas, folks. Rattlesnakes. You got to be careful. They're everywhere. There's this. The shows shows one scene of this young girl bending, squatting down by a tree. That gets bit in the butt by a rattlesnake because she wouldn't look where she's going. Well, she dies, you know, right? Because there's no anti venom. That's right. You, you, it, it's it. You know, you, you, and it's that you see this moment. It's it's a tragic story, but it's also so very clear about the risks that we're talking about here and the decisions that are made. Sometimes making the right decision is not to decide because that's very risk. Because in, 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 but then again, they were willing to but risk their lives. The decision not to decide, that is a that is a deliberate... It is a decision, that is correct. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes the decision not to decide is, I don't know what to do, whatever happens just yeah. happens. And they were willing to leave that old country, which must have been, you know, in 1883, was pretty oppressive at this point. Right, at least the Prussians are in charge. That's right, they, they, they had to leave, 
and they come down here, and, and, and most of them literally uh, even getting to Texas is an adventure for them. It's correct. And, Just getting across the ocean. Is. Yeah, and, and we know that there's a you know this huge German influence in Texas. They're mm-hmm. very successful in Texas. Yeah, and so and they have really, all these belongings they bring with them that they have to leave, right. and then they take try to take half their shit with them. Which of course Sam Ellis telling them, you, you can't do this. You you, you you can't cross a river with this stuff in here. First river they come to, half of it gets left on the other side because you can't get across. Right. So it's a tremendous. Forget lead. about the piano. You that's, need you, that's to exactly. Take. Well, that's one of the things that they yeah. want. Yeah. So, yeah. So, but that's again it's been it, in my it, family it's, for two hundred years. It's I said, living yeah, the dream. You should have left it with the family you left in Germany. That's right, because it's staying here on the plane, and it's it's a tragic moment where you see this just these bundles of belongings. Basically, these people are stripping their lives down to just being alive, and some of them can't even do that. Well, and you know. But it is this a whole dream. journey. It is, is a dream more than a fear. And yeah, well, it is living, awesome. living the dream, living our dreams is making a decision to do that. It is deciding, and it's part of having the freedom to do whatever the hell you damn well want, even if it kills you by getting bitten the butt by a snake. <laughs> right? <laughs> you have to accept those consequences. That's right. Um, so, you know, and like I said, this is just a different way of saying what both of you said, and even shorter. I mean, you, yeah. you know, his is even shorter than yours, uh, yeah. Martin. But mine's even shorter than both of yours. I just, I really like yours, Robert. I, that was that's that's genius stuff. I, people don't live dreams; they live fears. Yep. And we yeah, really, we need, we need be, more people to live dreams. Yeah. Right. It's it's healthy to, to respect your fears and to to mitigate your consequences of them. But, live but your it's dreams. unhealthy yeah. to not live your dreams at all. Yeah, but that's, that's it, and that's that's what you're talking about here. Yeah. Yeah. In many respects, if those people had given into their fears, they would have never left Germany, much less tried to go to Oregon. Right. But then and again, maybe they all would. Maybe they would have had a much larger family. Perhaps. You know, more. You know, would, they would have been much bigger. You know, all those people that died wouldn't have. They would have had kids of their own, and you know, who knows how history changes. That's right. Based on that sort of thing. Yeah. And the and that's kind of the, the main story of the main family. Tim McGraw and uh, Faith right. Hill were the... But on the other hand, ducks. you know, you can make the argument, is it is it irresponsible to take your family with small children on a, on a cross-country... Uh, wagon ride? Ra- yeah, which essentially is a, is a trip out by foot, for lack of... I mean, yeah. wagon is, is not that much better, because you're going to get out and walk part of, the, part of the way. Absolutely. You're not going much faster than a walking speed. I mean, it's a little bit faster, but you know, you're not going 50 miles an hour down no. the expressway. Sure, you're uh, you're basically carrying enough to survive the journey. Right. If that. If that. Yeah. It's, if and that. you have to be able to know, well, we're going to stop here, and you can only you can't cross in this time of the year. We've got to get there before winter because the blah blah blah. There's all these different right. things so, here. You know, you can make the argument: is that the responsible thing to do? Um, you know, are you taking more risk than you should? That's a great question. It's a, it's a you know. But if they hadn't, what would this country look like? You know, would we all still be east of the Mississippi? You know, no farther west than St. Louis? Sooner or later, somebody's going to be strong enough and smart yeah. enough to make that journey. And, of course, that's what happened. But Those it, who yeah, survived it is, were... It, it is too wired into, I think, American DNA to sit still. Or at least it used to be. Yeah, and not, and not just the Americans, but you know the immigrants who came over here saw the opportunity. Yeah. They well, had that too. I think sometimes, sometimes, that's that's sometimes where we get it. That's where we get it. Show, perhaps yeah. it's it's you know if you were happy in Britain, you know, and you said, well, you know what, I'm not going to be a dissenter. I'll just go along. 
Yeah. Then you... I mean, yes. The whole idea of America is people who were discontented. It's, it's a nation of malcontents. Uh, or opportunists. Uh, there's a lot of that, too. There's yeah. not a whole lot of difference. No, that's, a, that's a very worthy well, point. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, when you think about it, an opportunist is somebody who sees a problem and thinks, I have a solution. How is that different from a malcontent that says, damn it, that's a problem. I wish you'd leave me alone. I got nobody else is going to fix it. I guess I'll have to. Yeah. yeah. Or I'm going to leave. Or I'm going to leave. Or I'm going to leave. Uh, you know. Yeah. It, I mean, we are we are a nation of malcontents and always have been. Yeah. And, you know, that's part of our charm. It's also part of our ugliness. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's part of, but it's also part of how we have moved, not just our nation, but I think part of how we have moved humanity forward. Because we're not, as we have matured as a country, to the extent that we have, <laughs> um, you know, we have tried to expand our ideals to more and more people. Sometimes we really suck at it. Sometimes we're very successful at it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a mix. I like to say we take two steps forward, one step back. Sometimes we take a couple steps back before we take some, some more forward. Three or four forward. It, so. it happens. Yeah. But generally speaking, um, I think most Americans would, would agree that, yeah, it'd be great if everybody would live their dreams. And now, granted, the problem is not everybody has the same dream. And, but that's okay. Yeah. That's part of that chaos, too that progress yeah. comes from uh, that provides those opportunities for those malcontents to, to come up with a solution. Yeah. I mean, it's just... And we are still too too wired as far as, you know, can't sit in one place for very long because you look at how people jump jobs. Instead of moving across the country, you know, we look for our, our challenges in somewhere else. And honestly, I think that's part of our problems today is we don't have challenges anymore. Yep. Not personal challenges. Our comfort is pretty well taken care of. Yeah, I mean, people who live their fears now really are paralyzed, because what is there to be afraid of? Right. Now, that's not to say that there aren't legitimate fears. You know, you talk about uh, you know certain minorities and their relationship with the police. They have legitimate fears. Yeah. Correct. You know? But, but, but living your fears by driving around by yourself with a mask on... <laughs> Exactly. You know, that that's living a fear, not a dream. Right. Well, that, Live a dream. That's not only living a fear, that's letting your fear dominate you. Yes. Uh, and, as well as your common sense. Yes. <laughs> so, that's good stuff, guys. That's good stuff. But we're at an hour, so let's wrap up, because I mean, we could go on for that for another hour. Oh, easily. You yeah. know, but that was outstanding stuff, Robert. I really love it. You. Thank Live you. your dream, not your fear. Francis, buddy, what is next time? We're going to have our first female hero. Yay! I don't know why the hell it took us so long. Uh, but Lucille Ball. Oh, We're going to talk about her. So it's your bad. idea to bring her in. And she's yeah. a perfect one for that. Because this woman here changed television forever in so many ways. She was a genius herself uh, who surrounded herself with good people, of course. But she knew what she wanted. She went after it. She lived that dream and did so spectacularly. And we're going to talk about her, her life, and her many achievements next episode. Hope you enjoyed another pointless discussion of eternal questions. Remember, new episodes publish every Friday at noon Eastern. Spread the word. We're on all the major podcast platforms. And leave us a comment or review because that helps others find us. We're on Instagram, Twitter, as well as our website, snakesandotters.com. I'm Martin. 
And I'm Robert. And I'm Francis. Join us next week. Same snake time, same otter channel.